When we think about the iconography or the history of contemporary policing and urban criminal justice, what comes to mind? Sixty years ago, it was Dragnet and Joe Friday. Later, everything from Adam-12 to the work of Joe Wamba. There was the Rodney King beating and subsequent riots, the OJ trial, helicopters employed by police, and chases both high and slow speed. What they all have in common is the city of Los Angeles, a city that's been on the cutting edge of all that's right and wrong with urban policing. We're going to talk about that today with my guest, Joe Dominic. Joe is an award-winning investigative journalist and author and an associate director of the John Jay College Center on Media, Crime, and Justice at the City University of New York. It is my pleasure to welcome Joe Dominic here to talk about his book, Blue, the LAPD and the Battle to Redeem American Policing. Joe Dominic, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. It's great to have you here. When we look at the trials and tribulations of the LAPD, is it is it something that is just deeply ingrained in the culture of the LAPD, or is it really the enormity of the task, the, the sheer size of Los Angeles, and what it takes to police that? Well, I think there's there's two separate questions there. Number one, um, the Los Angeles Police Department has been um, unique in terms of uh, in terms of wealth causing two two riots. The 1965 Watts riots and the 92 Los Angeles riots, and um, and it's been new, unique in the way that it's policed, and it's really been an example to other, a bad example to other police departments, to police in poor minority neighborhoods as an occupying force, and uh, and to um, and and to follow what other police departments around around the nation, as we know are involved with, which is um, ever since the uh, fugitive slave laws in, in the 1850s, one of the primary uh, jobs of police departments has been to really uh, lock, lock in African Americans in ghettos and, try, and as much as possible try to keep them there and try to control them through brute force. And that's, that's the LA, LAPD's uh, MO. So it's so it's both they've been they've been in the spotlight so so much because of the extreme way that they that they policed, but they weren't the only ones um, who were performing the mission that I just mentioned. And to do that mission, though, in a city the size of Los Angeles creates its own problems. In many ways, it's the size and scope of those problems and ways that the LAPD has addressed exactly what you're talking about. That that has created such public awareness of the way it's acted. Yes, that's 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 exactly right. And uh, you you have, you you know Los Angeles well. And um, and when Bill Parker became the police chief, he's the modern day godfather of the Los Angeles Police Department. When he became chief of police in 1950, he said that there will be no more corruption in the LAPD. The LAPD, like many big city police departments. Um, uh, uh, during the first half of the 20th century was a corrupt department, corrupt in, in the old-fashioned way, meaning the cops were on the take. Um, they had, you know, they had black, ba- black bag men going around taking, taking money um, and, and uh, curbside, curbside uh, payoffs uh, when they stopped somebody instead of giving them a ticket. Um, so Parker said no more of that, and um, he was true to his word. But he... 
do, it was uh, it was also a, 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 he continued and and put him and, and cemented in place a different kind of police corruption, which is the kind of corruption where you admit no wrong, you cover up anything uh, uh, anything that a police officer does wrong, no matter how horrendous, and you you deal with it within the department, but you never ever admit that your police officers have done anything wrong. So that started uh, the period of uh, of more than 50 years of the LAPD being unaccountable to anybody, uh, including the mayor and the city council and the police commission. And that really reached its apogee during the 14 years of Daryl Gates. That's right. Daryl Gates was was really a disaster um, uh, for Los Angeles because Los Angeles was, was when he became chief in 1979, Los Angeles was well into... um, um, becoming a brand new city in terms of politics and in terms of a, a, a racial and ethnic composition. Um, and um, Daryl Gates refused to, um, to accommodate that change and said, no, we're going to keep it the way it is and um, we're going to double down on, on the way we police. And, um, and this, was, uh, you know, this, this was just horrible for poor for, for, poor people of color in poor neighborhoods. And at the same time that this was happening, the 1980s featured the crack wars in Los Angeles, which were, you know, which made areas of the city very, very violent. And some of those areas still remain violent to this day. And, and the violence was met by, by more violence by the LAPD and try, instead of trying to figure out what was happening, um, instituting a community policing, which I believe can be can be a saving grace for all police departments, and they just doubled down. And, uh, and and the result was that in the year following the riots, there were over 1,000 killings, 1,000 murders in Los Angeles. Talk a little bit about the Gates years and some of the ways in which it really amped up all these negative aspects of the culture of the LAPD. L.A. was uh, was was going through this very violent period in in poor in poor neighborhoods. I keep on emphasizing that because if you were a white middle class person, the city wasn't. Um, the city is so is so uh, segregated that if you were a middle class white person, the, the crime really didn't affect you that much. It, w- it was there, but you know, and it was it wasn't low, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't dramatically high either. Unless you um, unless you were Joe Morgan and had a foot in both camps back in the the mid eighties. Well, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, Joe Morgan um, in the yeah, when he was in LAX, he was he was stopped by uh, a Los Angeles police officer for the crime of being a well dressed. A, a well-dressed black man, um, and therefore must must be a drug courier, courier in the mind of this cop. And so he was uh, thrown to the ground, handcuffed, and arrested. And the city wound up paying him over five hundred thousand dollars in in, uh, in compensation. It was it was it was more of the, it was just more of the same um, in response to the to the L- LAP's inability to stop it. The more they couldn't stop it, the more they doubled down. They would, they would do things like uh, having what they call sweeps, where they would go into South Central Los Angeles for a couple of days and arrest 25,000 African-American males uh, between the ages of like, you know, 12, <laughs> 12 and, and 80, I guess, um, and uh, for, for nothing. And the DA wound up filing such a small percentage of the, of the, of the cases uh, 
that people were arrested for that and it just it just antagonized the situation even more they did not have any kind of a strategy for dealing with what what was going on in the city um they just they just re- reverted back to the to the old ways and doubled down and one of the other things that was really controversial you talk about at the time which gates reinstituted in the LAPD was the use of the chokehold well, I'm not sure that Gates um, um, reinstituted it, but um, what happened with the with the use of the chokehold was that other police departments were were using the chokehold, um, and uh, I forget the it was uh, Dallas, um, Philadelphia, a couple of other police departments, and so, so so there was a study done, and it found that in the in the time in the time period, I I think it was from. Uh, the, uh, from let's just say 80, 81 to eighty four, um, the uh, the other police departments choked one person to death. The LAPD choked fifteen people to death. So that was the kind of that was that was one of the few times uh, prior to the ninety two riots that the police commission actually acted and and banned the use of the chokehold because it was just causing an incredible uproar. There was also all the heavy equipment that, that Gates brought in, which really uh, engendered an awful lot of resentment. Well, some of it was really comical. For example, he, he brought in the battering ram, which was, uh, I guess, um, uh, you know, um, so, something akin to an old tank or, or, or uh, you know, a tank, a tank uh, uh, barrel on an on an. Um, um, on, on some kind of military machine, and and he he, he used it on the inauguration. He, the, he invited Nancy Reagan to witness this. Um, he uh, it was they were going they were they were crack houses at the time, and crack houses were big big target for um, for the LAPD. So he he um, deployed the what he called the battering ram, and they used it. On a really uh, on a, a, a BS tip <laughs> that turned out to be wrong on this on this small cottage in in, uh, in South Central Los Angeles, and it not it simply knocked down the wall of the of the house, and inside was a woman, and her two kids, eating chocolate swirl ice cream, and so it, you know it was it was comical, it, it was it was absurd the things that he was trying. And the press made fun of him, but the politicians still feared him because it was a law and order era, and he kept on saying he had he had files on everybody. It turned out that he didn't, but he had people believing that. It was a little like a, a mini J. Edgar Hoover in some respects. Um, well, it was, and it was under his uh, um, under his uh, um, the person before him, his predecessor, uh, Ed Crazy Ed Davis. Who um, and they had a, a vast uh, spy ring, including numerous files on the mayor of Los Angeles, Tom Bradley, and and others. But it, but what they what they said that they you know they kept on threatening politicians with publicly. Um, really, there wasn't much there with newspaper clips, et cetera. You know, and somebody sleeping, uh, you know, somebody uh, having an extramarital affair or something, which at that time would have not have been good to be exposed. But it was it was more it was more an empty threat than a than a real threat. Talk a little bit about 
Tom Bradley being elected mayor and what impact that had, Los Angeles having a black mayor? Well, um, first of all, you should know that, and I, I'm sure you do know, Tom Bradley was the Los Angeles Police Department for right. 21 years. Um, he was a member of the Los Angeles Police Department for 21 years. Um, in that time, he became a lawyer. When he got out of, uh, when he quit the police department because he, he had reached the glass ceiling for African American officers, which was lieutenant, um, he ran for the city council, became one of LA's first black city councilmen, and then ran for mayor. And his first attempt in a classic, ugly, um, race baiting uh, election, um, he. He lost, and he came. Then he and uh, then he came back in uh, in seventy two and uh, and won, and he became mayor. And it was it was the announcement that there was there were new there were new uh, pe there were people now in town who were going to have some political impact, and they were liberal liberal uh, Jews from the west side of Los Angeles, and that, that many of them were very liberal at that time, um, and Mexican Americans. Asian Americans and African Americans—they all, they all, um, they all had their their foot in City Hall, and um, they they represented um, the new Los Angeles. Um, and in many ways, Tom Bradley was a very successful mayor, but he was very unsuccessful in terms of reining in the LAPD. Um, uh, there were uh, a number of reasons for that. One of them was it was he was a, a liberal black mayor. Um, in a, in a city that was that was undergoing all of the turmoil um, of the of the 60s and 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 70s, and so he didn't, he didn't want to uh, he didn't want to antagonize a, a police chief who would just publicly beat him up and and get into a, you know and get into a, a, a you know punching down punching down game with with this guy who wouldn't back off. Um, and the other thing was he wanted to be the first um, black governor in the United States, and he ran twice in, in the 1980s at, in this really high crime era, um, and he almost won the first time and lost pretty badly the second time. But, but I think that that was always in his mind as well, that if he was going to be the first black mayor, he couldn't be, he couldn't be linked with the, uh, you know, the Black Panthers or any of that nonsense which his opponent the first time he ran for mayor did, did, and, you know, people were prepared to do that. Tom, so um, he knew that, and uh, he didn't challenge the, the LAPD, very unfortunately, and the people he put on the police commission didn't challenge the LAPD either. What began to turn things around, or really begin to create some appetite for change as far as the LAPD was concerned? Well, certainly... Um, Certainly, the uh, if that that appetite for change was building up um, in the 80s because because Gates was so impervious to any suggestion of of reform and so and and so lashing out at any critic um, that people and being totally ineffective, crime was going up, going up, and then the LAPD couldn't do anything and so and held and held his count his officers so unaccountable. That 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 was building up, and the uh, Rodney King beating was was the first real um, explosion of of that resentment at the LAPD. And then the '92 riots were were you know were an empathetic <laughs> follow up to um, uh, uh, to the Rodney King beating. So people knew something had to give, and 
Gates had to go. And because because under Gates, the LAPD was so disastrously unprepared for the 92 riots, which came with the, as you, as you recall, that came with the acquittal of the four officers that mm-hmm. beat Rodney King, um, that they just were totally unprepared and for two days until the National Guard came in. They were stopping nothing. People were doing what they wanted to do, and that's why it was such a bad, uh, you know, such a terrible uh, uh, riot because uh, the LAP didn't respond to it at all. So this got Gates pushed out of office and fired, and uh, a series of reforms called the Christopher Commission reforms took place. One of them limited the uh, tenure of and the power of the chief of police. Um, but it wasn't until um, about 1998 with the uh, with the Rampart scandal, which was cops stealing coke from the evidence locker and, and selling it, cops um, shooting, um, shooting uh, um, uh, people in, um, um, in the Rampart Division who were interfering with their drug dealing um, and, and planting evidence, lying on the stand, all of the, all of the traditional things that people fear about cops. That became such, such a scandal um, that the Fed, the federal government came in, the Justice Department, and forced the LAPD into a consent decree. Um, and about uh, and about a year later, <clears throat> Bill Bratton, the famous reformer from New York, came in and started a still unfinished reform of the LAPD. And he made it he made it a, a more effective police department um, and and uh, changed the the singular mission of controlling poor people in a brutal way um, to continuing to control poor people, but also um, encouraging community policing, which, which has been pretty successful in Los Angeles, although it seems to be slipping a bit mm-hmm. under, uh, under, under Bratton and not then under Charlie Beck. Talk about how effective Bratton was in, in changing the culture of the LAPD and how he went about it. It was interesting. Shortly after he became police chief in L.A., I had a conversation with Bratton where he talked about the fact that he felt safer in New York than he did in Los Angeles at that time. Well, uh, at that time, by that time, uh, he had so so successfully transformed the NYPD from 94 to 96, and before that, in the early 90s in the New York uh, New York Transit Police, which was separate from the NYPD at that time, um, that by 1998 crime had gone down dramatically um, in in uh, in New York and has continued to go down dramatically. But th- there are problems with 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 what some of the techniques that we use to do that, like stop and frisk, which we could we could talk about. But to answer your question, I think that that was a bit of high, hyperbole. He was living in Los Feliz. You know, I, I, I can't imagine living in Los Feliz and feeling, you know, feeling unsafe. It's, it's just, you know, it's just not, it, that, does, that doesn't happen. I, I live in the West Los Angeles, uh, West Hollywood area, right. and I don't feel unsafe. I've never felt unsafe there. So, um, um, so I think that was a bit of hyperbole. But he did, what he did successfully was he, he really picked good, innovative um, division captains, and he told them, do community policing. I'm not going to tell you how to do community policing. I'm going to tell you that you, you've got to prevent crime, and I'm going to tell you that you have to, you, you develop, and from preventing crime, 
you have to talk to grassroots community leaders and people in the street, and you will develop community policing. And that's exactly what happened, um, because you can't have you have to have community policing that fits a particular community. Once one size doesn't fit all. So Bratton understood that, and he also refused to uh, he, he refused to defend the indefen- the indefensible, and um, you know the officers were held more more to a, more to a, uh, to to account than they had ever been uh, before and they changed the training and so and some some of the officers coming out now it takes a generation or so to change a police culture especially one like the LAPD some of the officers coming out now really seem to understand that uh, that you can't you know you can't brutalize people into complying um not, you know, not in a democracy that you have to have community policing and you can't try You have to, you, you have to help build the community, not tear it down by arresting everybody in sight and taking every black man, uh, you know, in the street and sticking him in, in county jail or prison. So these were things that he, that he did really well. He really established good community. I really good, good relations with traditional enemies of the LAPD, like the ACLU, um, like the leaders in the African American community, um, and they supported his um, his reappointment um, in in uh, two thousand and seven. Um, so he so he did those things. He made the he made the uh, uh, the LAPD far more user friendly um, to the public. And Charlie Beck, to some extent, has really carried that on. But Bratton also brought with him an increase in stop and frisk. Um, and an increase in the um, in the use of broken windows policing, both both big tools in Bratton's uh, toolbox of, of of preventing crime, um, which have become, as you know, very very controversial. Um, but to Bratton's credit, by the way, when he went back to New York as commissioner in 2014, because he he was appointed under um, a very progressive mayor, Bill De Blasio, he decreased stop and frisks in New York City by almost 80%, 79%, which was a, a stunning accomplishment. And it was, you know, it, it was a lot. You, if you recall, New York in 2014 was under incredible turmoil. And so Bratton did, did do that. Um, but he also introduced the mass use of these techniques. So um, that was a bad thing that he did. Right. Brat, Bratton's big gift to placing was before uh, before before him and his influence cops used to just respond to crime get a call there's a crime we go there we take a you know we take a report see if we can find the guy bratton said no no what about preventing crimes before they happen how do we do that and he introduced very uh, uh hotspot policing comstat these are these are very good things that will outlast him but there has to be a second wave of police reform um because we see all of these shootings continue, all of these shootings of unarmed people. It's happening right now in Los Angeles. We have had 25 shootings in Los Angeles in 2015. 13 of whom, 13 of whom were people who were killed. Many in circumstances that just don't make sense. That the police were just using bad, bad tactics, or they shouldn't have been on a police force in the first place because they, they you know, they didn't ha- know how to handle a situation where they were frightened, et cetera. But it's, it's, it's really very troublesome. And crime is up 20%. Violent crime is up 20% in Los Angeles mm-hmm. in the first half of 2015 as well. So uh, 
by way of saying all this, Los Angeles is far from a reformed police department, but it's taken some really significant steps. Part of what Bratton was so effective in doing, and and, and arguably Charlie Beck was effective early (laughs) on and maybe less so now, was putting in place things like broken window and stop and frisk. At the same time, he was such a breath of fresh air reaching out to the minority community and working with, as you say, the ACLU and people like Connie Rice and others, that that he was able to get away with a little tougher <clears throat> policy at the same time he was reaching out. And some of that is broken down, arguably. Yeah. Well, um, yes, it seems to it seems to be it seems to be breaking down. Um, but you're absolutely right that while while um, you know a, a virtual political firestorm um, was continuing in New York over the massive excuse me the massive use of stop and frisk, um, the the LAPD was kind of per capita stopping the same amount of people. They were stopping a lot of people. Um, uh, much more after Bratton became chief, but because Bratton had reached out to all of these people, and and made made just attitudinal changes, and 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 you know the officers were trying to change on the street, they were trying to change the attitude of officers on the street with community policing, etc. Um, you didn't the kind that kind of protest never never arose in Los Angeles the way it did. Uh, in New York, that uh, you know, Bill, uh, Bill De Blasio, the mayor of New York, ran on stopping stop and frisk. So that's how, and one, one overwhelmingly got over ninety percent of the African American vote. Um, so um, yes, yeah, so, so Bratton was very uh, effective at that. The crime rate has ticked up a little bit in New York recently too, which has a lot of people concerned. Well, I think that that um, that. Uh, Ticking up, you know. Last, if I can just go back to 2014 and stomp and frisk uh, again. When Bratton, when when Bratton reduced stop and frisk by 79 percent, um, crime also went down in 2014. Just the way it's been going down in New York for 20 years. Now crime has ticked up a little bit there. But um, I think you find that that's between um, uh, some warring crews, as they call gangs in New York, um, and and the heroin trade. That's mm-hmm. that's my speculation. Um, and uh, so they're shooting each other. But I I don't think uh, I don't think uh, New York is a, uh, you know, in most neighborhoods, I don't think crime is going up at all. And uh, I was just in New York. Uh, I talked to six or seven cab drivers, and they had they were. <laughs> They were uh, very angry at how strict the NYPD had become, you know, in issuing citations, et cetera. Talk a little bit about where the LAPD is today under Charlie Beck and some of the racial problems it still faces. I mean, the the Ronald Weekly case and and a few others and the the mistaken identity cases in the the search for Christopher Dorner. I mean, there's still problems and still uh, issues for the LAPD. Well, there certainly are. Two of the issues we we've already spoken about, which is um, which is a high number of, of shootings by officers, the high number of bad shootings or what appear to be bad shootings of officers, and Charlie Beck's reaction to them. I, I you know I think uh, one of one of the primary rules of of a good of a good manager is to be transparent um, and to be and and to um, and not and to be and to be quickly and timely transparent, and then continue to keep um, whatever constituency you have 
um, um, aware of what you're doing. Um, and Charlie Beck has failed, um, failed miserably at that. He's kind of um, any information about, and this is the same with the use of, uh, of body cameras, um, any information that comes out about these shootings just kind of slowly trickles out and they say, well, what's being investigated? It's being investigated. It's being investigated. And then when it does come out, um, you know, he's having trouble with the police commission. Um, and, and, um, and you just don't hear about these shootings. I'm waiting to hear about, about six different shootings. There's, there's been no resolution of them and they've been really bad cases. Um, so, so it's, hanging out there and, and back to, uh, to my to my astonishment because I, I was so impressed with him I spent a lot of time with him um, that uh, he he's just not responding and I think that's that's disastrous for him and it's not good for the LAPD at all, uh, either what is your sense of what's behind that certainly he he was responsive initially and as you say he was a protege of became a protege of Bratton's even though he was a, a long time uh, in the LAPD What's changed? The answer to that is I don't know. When, when, when Charlie Beck became chief, the first two or three years, he did everything right. He instinctively did everything right. One of the first things he did was to walk foot patrol in the Jordan Down housing projects, the home of the Grape Street Crips, and one of the most violent uh, sections of the city. And he walked, he walked patrol, meeting people, shaking hands. He played, he played in a basketball game between, between the cops and the, and the local, the local residents. Um, he, everything he did, he, he, um, uh, he, he reached out to the African American, apart to the, um, Latino community, um, in ways that were really important to them in terms of, um, getting, if, in terms of your undocumented, getting a driver's license, et cetera. He supported, he supported all of this. And then I think what really um, got, got him off, off kilter is, um, is the, the fact that the Los Angeles Times in the summer of 2014 did an investigation of, of the Los Angeles, of, of Los Angeles Police Department's um, crime stats and found that, um, that thousands and thousands of aggravated assaults, the kind of crimes we fear the most, had been had been misclassified. They were they were felonies, and they'd been misclassified as misdemeanors. So that it it, it appeared that crime had been violent crime was was going down, still going down. And the and the L.A. Times found that that wasn't the case at all. And in fact, once at the end of the year, when the LAPD um, um, released the truth the truth statistics, we saw that violent crime went up. Uh, or aggravated assaults went up by over 20% and violent crime went up. And now we see that it's up 20% in 2015. So I think that that kind of um, um, set him on the wrong on the wrong course. And also Charlie Beck is a real cop. You know, he was an a, a, a anti-gang cop, a, cr- a crash cop. Um, and those, those were tough, tough guys. And, um, so, and I think he had a, he had one of his partners die in his arms. So I think he he thinks that um, if somebody you know malicely kills somebody that that shouldn't that shouldn't have been shot, that he that he will not tolerate that. But I think that he uh, that if somebody 
shoot somebody because they're scared, because they, they, they didn't follow tactics, you know, et cetera, he's going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's not, that that's not working with the, with the public and with uh, you know, Los Angeles now has a very liberal uh, political class and a very liberal um, police commission and that they are not, they are not accepting that. To what extent, and we're just about out of time, and it may be a little bit inside baseball, but to what extent have these LAPD problems been overshadowed in some way by the more monumental problems that have been faced by the L.A. Sheriff's Department? Oh, the, the L.A. Sheriff's Department is 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 um, is a, 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 a bad police department. <laughs> I, I think it's it's um, it's much worse uh, than the LAPD, or the LAPD is is far uh, better but you know the 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 lapd is hollywood it's still friday you know it's it's riots it's uh it's the home of gangster rap it's all of these things and it's you know i I, and i I think i said it's hollywood it's hollywood so because of that it's it's uh, it's it's a, a city that everybody looks to um, they used to look to it because of Joe Friday, and now they look at it because of, of uh, they, be, they, be, they became so notoriously brutal that they also became famous. But the sheriff's department, nobody really cares about the sheriff's department. What's you know what they're what they're doing in the unincorporated uh, areas of uh, of Los Angeles County. So it doesn't get that kind of national uh, uh, publicity or that. Or, or looking at the sheriff's department in a in a critical way. Even with even with the Los Angeles uh, Times, they far more cover what the LAPD do, is doing than the what the sheriff's department is doing. But they have been a really bad police department for a long, long time. Very brutal, extremely brutal, and in the in the in the uh, jails of Los Angeles County, men, men, the uh, men's county jail in downtown Los Angeles. Is a horrific place worthy of uh, of Abu Ghraib. Not quite, but very bad, very bad. And the federal government has, has more than taken note at this point. That's right. That's right. Um, I I believe uh, the second in command, I believe, is going to go to jail. A number of of, uh, of uh, sheriff's department uh, pr- uh, prison guards have already gone to jail, and I think that the uh, and the sheriff. Up until last uh, last year, has resigned, and now he's being he's being called uh, in the trial of his second in command. So it doesn't look good. They haven't they have a new uh, they have a new sheriff. He says he's a former LAPD uh, assistant chief. We'll see how he how he does, but uh, it's 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 not a good department. Joe Dominic, his book is Blue: The LAPD and the Battle to Redeem American Policing. Joe, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. You're a terrific interviewer. Thanks a lot. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.